Ben Gordon, welcome to the little podcast that could. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. You are uh, one of those guys that uh, that has just encouraged me over the over the years, but really over the last several months as I was putting some of this together, you encouraged me with my book, and uh, you've always said really just write the right things at the right time to keep keep my flames going, and also um, just as I was putting this together, you were really encouraging, and, and I really want to thank you for that. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, we, we always bump into each other at almost every event. You're everywhere, but it was a pleasure seeing you at Hyde House recently when you were cranking away on your book. And, and uh, man, yeah. it's an amazing book and trying to get the word out for that as well. I appreciate it, man. And uh, we, it's funny, we do. We bump into each other and, and it's like, like, man, we need to spend more time together. And every time like we were at that last conference at Synapse together, we, we just said, we just told everybody to screw up. We, you and I just hung out for like an hour or more. And like, <laughs> You know, went and, um, and just kind of watched uh, certain uh, speakers and just hung out. It was really, really cool. So it's always a pleasure. And, and now you're, uh, you've been, uh, you know, since you uh, exited your company, so to speak, even though the company's still going and doing quite successful, you kind of exited your position so that you could work on some new projects. We're going to get into that story soon about your, you know, the rise of cabinets.com, which I can't wait to tell. Um, and I've, so normally it's funny. I would have never gotten this time with you about a year ago. I remember there was so many years. Do you remember this? So many years I tried to like get time with you. It was hilarious. Uh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. People, I don't get, I don't get blown off too much, but you were always like, Alan, I really would love to, but I cannot do that because I'm running a company. I can't be on calls or do extraneous things. You were running a startup that was under growth mode all the time. You were always under pressure to keep pushing and pushing and pushing, right? But it was That's so right. funny, I could never get your time. <laughs> yeah, my, my nickname at Tampa Bay Wave was the ghost. I thought it was because I'm very pale, I'm a ginger, but it wasn't. It's because I, I wouldn't show up for events or I'd leave early or whatever because I was just always so busy with the startup life. You were the ghost and you were the ghost. I love that. That's the new name. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. But here's the thing. I always admired it because you were very aware of the value of your time and you were willing to say no. I'm terrible at saying no. Terrible at that. And you were really good at it. And, and that's something that we're all supposed to be good at. And I always thought that that was something I, I always felt like I learned a few things from you um, along the way because you were, you were always very courteous about it. You explained, you know, why you couldn't and so forth. But um, you were the ghost. And, uh, <laughs> but, but you were building a very successful, valuable company and uh, which uh, it went on to be very true. And cabinets.com uh, is, you know, has been a big success and you've been a big part of that as a co-founder and CTO. Um, so with that, I wanna read a little bio uh, on you, Ben, if I could. So Ben Gordon is the co-founder and former CTO of cabinets.com, one of the largest internet retailers of kitchen cabinets. This is crazy. People, when I first tell people about your cabinets.com, they look at me like I have two heads, right? Like selling cabinets on the internet, custom cabinet, like not just like, mm -hmm. how in the world, right? Would anybody be able to do this? He started the company in 2009 with his business partner, Chris Larson, who had the industry experience. Ben helped grow the company. You, were the, you, had, the, you had the technical marketing chops and he had the industry experience. Ben right. helped grow the company to over 50 employees here in Tampa Bay and over $35 million in revenue annually. I just, that's a big number to soak in for selling custom cabinets on the internet. 
I can't wait to get into the story and talk about how you did this because to me it's still to a lot of people still like a big mystery the story on cabinets.com is still not out like it needs to be uh, cabinets.com has been listed several times on the inc 500 5000 list for fastest growing private companies and has been recognized on the gator 100 for top university of florida entrepreneurs right uh that's right go gators shout out to the to the university of florida Nation. <laughs> he recently stepped down as cto in 2019 to pursue other projects, but continues to have ownership interest. So I want to go right there, man. I want to go right there. So <laughs> you, you know, you've built this company for really 10, for 10 years as a, mm -hmm. as a co-founder and you were, um, you had these different roles. Technology was just one of them. You had a lot of different roles in the company. One of mm -hmm. two partners, co just two, two co-founders growing this business. Um, so, you know, what really was behind you stepping away? uh here recently and by the way i happen to know it was like you and i are friends so i know it was very amicable you took multiple months to do it you announced it in advance it was very emotional depart like it was the most positive exit anybody a founder could have from a company and um and you did it so you just ex you just planned it very well but like what was really behind it what what was the trigger behind you doing that in your decision yeah it's i mean like you said it was it was a great challenge because i wanted to um, not alarm existing employees or stakeholders throughout that process as well. In fact, I waited, we, we did have a, a, a challenging 2018, uh, to be quite frank. And, and, but I didn't want to leave during that time. I didn't want it to seem like I was leaving a sinking ship or, or running away from a challenge. So I waited until 2019 when we had uh, record breaking quarters, uh, as far as revenues to, to then exit the company. Um, from my role as CTO. I still have ownership interest in the company. I still help out with consulting and, and, and meeting with uh, my business partner from time to time um, and, and show face within the company. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was definitely a challenge. Uh, and it's upsetting too, because it's, it's your baby. You, know, you saw it grow up and evolve into something uh, much bigger than, than, um, than, than what you built it, of course, but also sometimes companies tend to grow out, outgrow your skill set as well. And that's a really important self-reflection as well that I went through personally is that I'm more of an entrepreneur. Uh, I love the startup phase of a website. It's much more nimble, uh, much more, I, I really enjoy solving those challenges more than I did solving the challenges of a medium-sized business. So really a lot of it didn't have to do with cabinets.com and more had to do with me and, and what inspires me going forward. Are you feeling a little, you know, what words would you use? Uh, a little stale, a little redundant, uh, not challenged. What were some of the words that come to mind that were kind of your emotional feelings for the last, probably this wasn't immediate. This was probably over the last, you know, couple of years, I would imagine it was starting to creep into your mindset, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, I mean, there were so many emotions, but um, it, it wasn't stale necessarily, but you're solving repetitive problems and, and that tends to occur later in, in the life cycle of business as well, where um, you feel like you're solving the same problem over and over again, especially when you have um, so many so many employees and so many stakeholders, and it just becomes a different beast um, than, than what you, you initially created. And for the good, um, like I said, it's not, I didn't step, we, I stepped away completely um, happy with where the company was standing. And I felt like that was the best position to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just so exciting to be a part of the startup environment. And, um, and, and now I could take greater risks too on, on my next venture and now I've kind of set myself up for that. 
you know what my favorite part of the story is that you kind of just uh, blew past pretty quick is that you had sensitivity to the signal that it could possibly send to employees, stakeholders, and, you know, and so forth, even investors that, you know, here you are a co-founder, CTO, key person in the company leaving, right? Like immediately that's a red flag for people if they don't, you know, mm-hmm. off the top, right? So for you to understand that and, and, to, and to know that you weren't, had no plans to leave for anything negative, no reason whatsoever. And so, so, and so instead of leaving when you wanted to on your own terms, you, you waited until, until like things couldn't be better. So mm-hmm. the only reason somebody would leave under those circumstances would have been for like a personal reason, as opposed to some kind of a negative business reason, right? Like people yeah, immediately absolutely. think that you were leaving because there's something that they should know that you know, but that wasn't the case. Right, right. And also my continual involvement in the company speaks volumes as well. The fact that I'm still helping them out. I, I uh, assisted in hiring my replacements as far as tech leads within the company. I'm still mentoring them on the day to day and talking about the history of the company and why we did the things we did and, and really continuing to educate them. Um, I think speaks volumes too for, for not just those employees, but for the rest of the company. Yeah. So that, that's just amazing that you just have this, just this big commitment to making sure that the company got the right signal before. And then now after you've left and, commend you for that. I think there's a lot that folks, that's a big notebook note for folks to founders to, to know of the right way to do this. So did anybody coach you on this or was this kind of your gut, the right thing to do? Oh, it's definitely a gut. It's a, I've always had a, a, a lot of morality involved with my business too. Even like the way that we, you know, give back to the, the community and, and our core values. Um, it, it, it was always instilled within me and I instilled that within the company culture as well. So yeah. It just, I, I felt like I would be going against our core values that we established in the beginning if, if I went out the wrong way. Yeah, that's it's amazing. I, I, lo- I love that you shared that with us. Uh, this is a huge note for uh, some of our young founders to, to hear because they're going to be, um, this is something in their, in their future that they'll be facing because all founders at some point get a little, it's not a startup anymore. It's coming. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you're, if you're fortunate enough to, to, to have one of your startups become successful and start growing successfully, this is a bridge you're going to cross that you mm-hmm. just crossed. This is going to come. So you might as well, you know, have a pattern or a blueprint in your mind of how to do it right. So well done. Before we go any further, I want to share, um, I want to share my screen here. And this is the title, the title that I put together for us, right? So this is the how I think of you, uh, Ben, and people are going to hear about this later about how to go from freelance, how to freelance your way to startup success. And that's the story that's coming about how Ben Gordon was basically freelance website development and other online marketing agency work for freelance and, and kind of stumbled into the startup opportunity of his life that changed the whole trajectory of your life, right? And so I think that's going to be a great inspiration for all the freelancers out there that love freelancing, but, but wonder if, could it be a bridge to something bigger? So we're going to come mm-hmm. to that. And then also I want to talk about our, our, uh, our sponsor, which is Secure Startup. So this is the platform uh, that's been rolled out uh, this past year that's really focused on helping early stage companies and startups control the documents that they are working with, with investors, right? So that, so that uh, they can protect those, their, their, uh, their documents and make sure who sees what at the right time and control that. Believe it or not, I was surprised. There's very few platforms that actually do this well. And, um, and so Secure Startup is here because of that. And, you know, you're, you're uh, you know, just that's a very delicate time between uh, startup founder and investor. 
There's a lot of documents that pass back and forth and you need a good way to get that done and get those signed off on and to get those uh, revision changes uh, seen, but not like Google. Google Drive is not the answer. <laughs> Google Docs and Drive is not the answer for those kinds of documents, right? So that's what, so that's what Secure Startup is. Um, hey, quick plug for my book, man. I didn't know that was gonna roll up here. Look at that. Um, <laughs> so this is my book and, 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 and Ben, Ben, you read my book, right? Absolutely, man. It's, yeah. it's great. I, I, but you haven't signed my copy yet. I'm, I'm still waiting on that personalized copy. Co it's COVID-19, man. That's the reason, right. okay? <laughs> you know you and I would be hanging out if it wasn't for this situation. And I'd already, you know, been more than signed it. Um, That's true. But just a shameless plug for my book. I, I usually uh, wait till the end. I'm trying to get smarter. Um, and so, you know, really, you know, been the, the the nature of this this show is to do two things. One, I want to get the story of the founder, the lead up to how you became founder of a, of a startup that's now um, worth millions and, uh, and, and, and that story and, and how unlikely some of it was, because it always is, by the way, it's always unlikely. You just, it always is. And that's a big lesson to people out there who are, who, who think maybe they're doing the wrong thing or think that, it's, that they're not on the right path. You'd be surprised that you might be on the right path uh, when you hear the stories of founders that come into success, right? So we're going to do that. But before we do that, I want to jump right into, I'm going to change my format a little bit. I want to jump right into, and then we're going to come back to your story. I want to jump right into this current situation that we're in, right? So you've been exited mm -hmm. from your, your company now for X number of months. What, what's interesting is you got into this company um, in, a, in a recession, right? We're in a, in a down economic time. And maybe let's just tell that part of, the, part of the story. What were you doing right before cabinets.com and, and what was the economy like? Yeah, so yeah, it was, it very, it, there's a lot of similarities to the current economic environment for sure. Um, so I was doing freelance web design and, and uh, virtual tours and videos for websites, primarily in the real estate industry. In fact, that's what brought me to Tampa originally was because of the housing boom here um, and, and the, and I joined a networking group called BNI that probably a lot of people are familiar with for small businesses and really helping them out with their marketing plans. And as soon as the bubble burst in 08, 09, the, the marketing budgets dried up just as quickly and no one was hiring me to do any website design or, or videos or anything related to marketing at that time. So I, I had to pivot. Um, I was struggling to pay rent, um, worried about the next month. Um, just like a lot of people are right now. And uh, it was a very challenging time. So really, I, steady, the way I- figured, Steady paycheck, no benefits, like you were out there looking for your next project gig, right? That's right, that's right. I, 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 was, I was really trying to build up a good, a great freelance business, which I got a lot of referrals. In fact, Chris, with, uh, who I built Canvas.com with, that was originally a referral from this networking group. Um, for, for, uh, for a different company that he was working for at the time. But um, yeah, so I was trying to build up my network um, and, and help as many people with their small business uh, marketing needs as possible. And um, had a really, really good uh, freelance business going on for a while. And, and like I said, just dried up uh, immediately. So, so the way I pivoted was that I, I, instead of charging for my services for web design and, and marketing, what I did was take a commission or equity of that startup. And so they, the end user didn't have to pay me anything for design or launching their, their internet business. 
and then I would just take a percentage uh, as a fee. And wait a minute, like that sounds crazy. When you're broke, you're semi broke, and you <laughs> and you put that deal out there. That is yep. gutsy uh, and just audacious. So it's ball. It, it's definitely ballsy because I mean I was in my twenties, and the best time is when you have nothing to lose, right? The worst case scenario, and a lot of non-entrepreneurs don't get this point, is that the worst case scenario is you go completely broke and you have to sleep on a friend's couch for a while. That's not so bad. That's okay. You know what I mean? Not in your right. 20s when you're single. Not, exactly. Now I have a, a, a wife and kids and a house and, and assets, and so it's a lot more risky now to do that. But when you're in your 20s, you have nothing to lose. You're the most dangerous. So, so that, that was my mindset back then is it can't get any worse than it is right now. <laughs> yeah. And you can't, and there's nothing you can't recover from basically at that point. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's when, um, you know, I, I helped out a couple other businesses very similarly, a lot, some of them flopped. Um, but then the one obviously that, that did well was cabinets.com. Wait a minute. You placed a few bets with this whole, uh, commission based or, um, performance-based payment plan? Yeah, I, I tried. I tried. Um, there was, I mean, I, I would love to go back and see the ones that I did from 10 years ago. There's a dog magazine that I took stake in. Um, what else was there? That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'll have to go back and take a look at the list, but there was a few that, that I developed the website completely free of charge and they, they flopped, but, uh, but it, it was definitely a learning experience. And, and you were like in a way, you, 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 you have to spread your chips. You almost like a little venture, like the venture capital numbers of things. Like that's what's interesting. I didn't know this part about the story that you actually placed these uh, kind of freebie bets several places, mm -hmm. and um, and you didn't plan for any of them to fail. But the bottom line is, some of them did. But you needed one to hit. And, exactly. Exactly. Almost like a venture capitalist mindset. Yep. But instead of money, you're, I'm using my labor and my connections uh, with, with other developers and such. But uh, but yeah, that that was the mindset at the time and. It was more based on survival and also my passion for entrepreneurship. And, and it's an exciting time. Just like now, um, you know, during this time period is, is the best time to do a startup, in my opinion. Um, and and I, I encourage, you know, anyone out there thinking about doing a startup during this time period to do it. Yeah, I, I don't know how I, I agree with that. And, and I've got different ways that I describe why that is. And we know that so many of our household brand companies are founded in recessions. And I've got a whole slide on that uh, that just shows, it's just overwhelming amount of evidence of all the companies from Uber to Airbnb, just on down the line. Even if you go back several generations, our parents' generation, Hewlett Packard, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. But I like to look at it differently. Like today, I, like to, I feel like there's a different element to it. It's kind of, um, if you have a warrior spirit, and people talk about the entrepreneurial mindset, but if you have like a warrior spirit, there's something about, how would I describe this? There's something about when the world is kind of upside down or falling apart, and that could be a recession, that could be now, it could be, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be as bad as it is now. It can just even be a recession, right? When, when things are, it, it kind of wells up a power source from an entrepreneur's perspective in a way I can't really describe it. Like it's, it's, it's so some people cling to, some people gravitate to security in those moments where they want to cling to things and hold on to things like their job and, and, and things they have. And they have this kind of cling to security feeling. And then I feel like the entrepreneurial mindset, which to me is like a warrior mindset kind of has this, this feeling that I can't hardly describe of like, 
there's an opportunity to go take, you know, there's like a, yeah. there's an opportunity to go take uh, markets, you know, something. There's like a, just a trigger there. I, I don't know. Is that, do you feel yeah. that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like people tend to be more risk averse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just their, their natural behavior during time periods like this. When in reality, it's like the best time to create a startup. Um, and, and it really weeds out a lot of the, the entrepreneurs, as Mark Cuban calls them. And, and um, those people who, who d- during great times, it's, it's very easy to, to do a startup. In fact, I saw Gary Vee last year at the Magento Imagine conference. He was the keynote speaker. And he said, uh, if you're an entrepreneur right now and you're not making money, you suck. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, he's really in your face with, with his comments. Uh, and sometimes you got to take them with a grain of salt. But he's, he's got a great point there where, um, you know, during a booming economy, it's, it's I hate to say easy because it's still a lot of work, but the success rate is a lot larger. So a lot of people are flocking to that, yeah. that industry. And, and it's just, it, it, there's a lot more fish in the pond. Uh, so so it's, it's a lot harder to succeed then. Yeah, I feel like that to, to, to me, that's a little bit related to what I'm, I'm trying to describe of this. There's this kind of um, opportunity, blood in the water kind of feeling like, you know, like, you, you know, that the weak, uh, so to speak, are, 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 are shilling away and, and so forth. And, and it's like, I feel like the, like, it's like an opening for the bravest. That's yeah. the way I'm thinking of it. It's like an opening for the bravest, like, which triggers me, right? It gets me motivated. I'm less motivated when things are good, but honestly, I, I feel like I just feel a little bit, um, I feel a little bit, uh, you know, foggy because there's so many people doing so many things and so forth. I don't feel like I have an opportunity to really separate and to, you know, to, but when, when things like this happen, it just invigorates me. I feel like, wow, like this is, this is, this is, these are times made for, for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, the entrepreneurial spirit and, and having that, uh, um, productive paranoia. I, I'm a big fan of Jim Collins as well. That's He's a got one, a, bu- yeah. Yeah, a bunch of different books. He talks about what level five Tell, leadership. Yeah, that's a good one. Say that again. It's called Productive Paranoia. And a lot of these level five leaders in his book that he outlines have, have this character trait where, where instead of, you know, going into a hole during these, these challenging time periods, they're out there on the front lines fighting it. And also after it's over with, once they've defeated it, they're more prepared for the next round. And, and they just, in, instead of having that, that paranoia where, where they're withholding um, um, actions and, and don't want to do things because of these dangers, that they're, they're, they're wanting that challenge. Right. It just, it just, uh, it, it just, it speaks to them in these times. And so I, I think that, that, you know, you know, the point about this is the best time to do it. There's so many reasons why that's true, but there's also, there's that kind of tribal warrior feeling about it that I wanted to point out. Yeah. You know, in addition to just mathematically, it's a good time. We, we the, the number of successes that come out of these times is just overwhelming. Right. Um, yeah. And I think I've, like I said, I've shown that slide just for, uh, just for fun. I think, uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll share it one more time. I actually have it on this um, on this slide. Uh, you know, companies started in recessions. I mean, look at these mm-hmm. companies, man. I mean, Uber right there, of course, and Dropbox and Disney and Instagram and Burger King and Microsoft, Trader Joe's, FedEx, Electron. This is a who's who of any great company, Airbnb, Groupon, IHOP, what's that? You kidding me? Like, this is every great company that you've ever heard of is on this yep. list, right? Yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's really cool. Even with I don't see cabinets.com on that list, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we were right along with that. And what's cool too during these these uh, recessionary periods is that a lot of these startups help feed each other. Like we grew right along. So we, we used an e-commerce platform called Magento e-commerce, which was started in 2008. And I had actually developed a Italian food website on Magento before uh, the, the kitchen cabinet website. And um, in the early days, I was on the, the forums discussing the bugs with Roy Rubin, the founder of Magento. And we kind of grew with Magento over the last you know, 10 years. And, and it's really cool. Like, I feel like if, if we didn't grow with them, we probably wouldn't be in the place that we are today and have that, that early, early exposure, um, early, the same challenges and working alongside these other companies. So I feel like, you know, it's great to have that whole ecosystem grow together. And I love that you just shared that part of the story because, um, I think there's a lot of truth to that as well is that now's a good time to identify, software platforms and systems and processes or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to just be software tech. It can be process methods or something that uh, is highly efficient and extremely enlightened and that really was kind of lost in the noise prior, but now clearly is a, a little Ferrari of a machine, mm -hmm. right? Whatever that is, like I'm, I'm investigating a lot of things with my, with my brand and my book and I'm in, just doing, I mean, this podcast is an example of that, right? Like just mm -hmm. trying new things and trying to find the vehicle that, that uh, you can uh, get yourself into that you can, you can drive out of this thing. Cause you're, to your point, you don't get to do it alone. You need, you need a great vehicle, right? That's and it right. could be your startup. It could be some complimentary uh, technology or people. But uh, I think that's a that's a really good point. I, I'm I'm feeding. I don't want to be specific, but to your point, I get the Magento example because first of all, I remember Magento back in the day. But I've got three or four platform things I'm using right now that invigorate me because they're not known to people, but I'm using them, and I can yeah. see that they kind of get it. Like right. what? <laughs> you sharing your trade secrets? I can say, you know, I'll probably fumble the I'll fumble the delivery. Something can try, but I, I'll, I'll send them. I'll definitely send them to you later. But I, but you know, like like Magento, you it's like you can see that even though this is this is like the, this is like burgeoning, like this is something that um, that is special, but nobody knows how special it is. I can see how special it is, and I'm going to hitch my wagon to this. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing right now with the, the new project that I'm working on. I'm developing it on Gatsby.js, which is, um, it's, it's, right. it's right now. Nice. <laughs> so it's based on React code from Facebook. And we're getting a little, little in the weeds here, no, but it's, it, it, it's a, and, and you have a serverless backend. And what's really cool about this is I've been so involved with Magento, which is PHP MySQL base for the last 10 years that you're right. All of a sudden now I'm looking at this new Ferrari going, wow, this, this is pretty cool. And, right. and, and it makes me excited again. And I feel dumb again. Cause I, I don't know anything about uh, serverless code. It's like every time you get in the vehicle, like you find a new knob and a new dial and, a, and you're like, Oh my God, like this. Right. And if only people knew, like every time you look around and, and then they add a new, a new one, the next, every week, there's like a new thing they give you. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. People don't, so, I hope people are hearing this message because I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because 
I, I feel so, this is something that doesn't get talked about enough. And um, it's so powerful. The energy flow that an entrepreneur gets from things like this is, is invaluable because frankly, it's a pretty much a solo endeavor. I, you might have a partner, you might not, but frankly, we do feed off of these these kind of finds, these things we find. I don't care what kind of entrepreneur you are. I mean, you could, I was just thinking of something silly, but like if you were a nursery, if you're into plants, right? Like if you finding a, a, a unique plant that gets you excited because you're, you're, uh, you're into plants, right? Same thing with technology or your business or whatever it is. I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of an, un, it's not talked about enough as an energy source for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And, and I think that's the most valuable part of these conferences that you go to in e-commerce, especially, is the interactions with the other people in the community and, and getting those ideas. And, and it's just, it's a lot of excitement. Um, you come home so refreshed and ready to get back to work. You can't wait till Monday morning to, to start cranking on these new ideas. Let me ask you a question. How many times, how many times have you kind of jumped out of bed in the morning early and energetic because you couldn't wait to go like get back onto that Ferrari and like f find out something else. Like, have you found it like getting you out of bed in the morning sometimes? Well, my three-year-old gets me out of bed <laughs> at 6 a.m. every day, but, but it's exciting again. I, I, I think, you know, leaving cabinets.com, you kind of have to uh, find yourself again. I, I didn't go to leave cabinets.com with a business plan. So the day I left, I'm starting a new company. I took three months off and, and just really, started working on ideas and, and trying to rediscover not just the business, but myself as well. And what I want to do in my next phase of, of, of my life. And you asked earlier, like, why, why now as far as cabinets.com? And another reason is because now I'm 37 years old, I'm getting a bit older and, and I really want to do another startup um, and, and want to take more risk this time as well. And I actually talked about this in your, when I visited your classroom is that I feel like I, I feel weird saying campus.com was a success. It was a very good company that I started, but I see it as a double and, and doubles are okay. Like it, it doesn't need to be this billion dollar idea, but what's really cool about this time around is that now I have a nice nest egg to fall back on. So this next project that I'm working on could be a billion dollar idea, or it's much more likely to be a $0 idea but I can take that risk. Yeah. And so, so which maybe before I, I couldn't, and, and I could help self fund that, that risk as well. Right. And by the way, I love the other part I love about that is um, cause I've made this mistake myself. If you, you should really calibrate your, the risk taking with your level of resources. First of all, entrepreneurs are always going to take a risk. Um, but I think that's something else not talked about enough. And I I'm so guilty of it myself. You, you should, when you know, depending on where you are on the on the entrepreneurial life cycle and and, and continuum, right? Um, getting on first base, to your point about using the baseball analogy again, you're like getting a single is like really important, and 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 it may not feel like enough, but so many times, uh, founder entrepreneurs, especially young ones, they want to swing for the fences first time out, and they kind of often very likely will blow it, blow not only their own their own capital, but other people's capital or whatever and, and don't even get on base right so i love this idea of you know getting your singles and then getting your doubles and then keep you know ratcheting up your 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 risk and the and the what you're swinging for every time it's it's very calculated yeah and and i, I think to that point too um when you're swinging for for singles and doubles you're more customer focused as well and i feel like a lot of people who are swinging for the fences 
tend to be more focused on investment. And I, I'm very against that. Of course, we started cabinets.com at the bottom of the housing market. So there weren't investors back then. So we didn't have any choice but to bootstrap. But even now, uh, when there's maybe a bit more VC money out there than there was 10 years ago, um, it's, it doesn't make sense that, that you really want to stay customer focused and drive home that, that value for your business. And I see a lot of too, too many startups focusing on getting investment dollars instead of focusing on customer needs. Yeah. So it's almost like the over defense almost makes me think about like knocking the ball over the customer. Like you're like, you're trying to, right. you know, you're not even, you're just like over the customer's head, which is n not a good, good idea. So I want to get a, hey, so Ben, let's go to your, uh, let's go to your childhood, man. <laughs> uh -oh. Like my psychologist. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about your childhood. Um, you grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which come on. I mean, they, it's my namesake, right? Okay, no, it's not. But I love. I've always, as a kid, I've always loved the Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was wondering where you're going with that. And it's actually spelled spelled the way I spell my name, which is really cool right. because the word Allen Allen gets spelled so many different ways. So you grew up in Allentown. I need to get you a T-shirt. <laughs> you will. I would love to see. I would love to get that in the mail one day. An Allentown. Um. Uh. So wait a minute. So I was checking. We were getting up to speed here. You were trading stocks. You decided to trade stocks in uh, at early age, like in high school, middle school. You were playing with stocks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I jumped on uh, E Trade with uh, some leftover bar mitzvah money, maybe a couple hundred bucks. And uh, I, I remember, like, I, I watched two networks when I was a teenager: ESPN and CNBC. And that hasn't changed to this day. <laughs> um, so I would race home from school, uh, turn on CNBC before the closing bell, to watch Kudlow and Kramer. And, uh, and I think that's unusual for a 15 year old, 16 year old, but that's what excited me really. And, and by the way, so what's the why on that? What's the why on that? Like uh, the, beyond it was just fun and interesting. What, what do you think was behind your, your drive, your interest in drive on that? It wasn't much. So even today, and, and I brought this up recently too, uh, to someone else, it's not necessarily the money. It's more about the, the challenge um, and the numbers and, and the game about it and and same with entrepreneurship as well i feel like if you talk to a a really good business leader and you ask them how their company is or what size company they have a really good leader will say we have 50 employees or we have 20 uh, 200 employees and it's all about the people that you're building and and we chris and i especially chris really took pride in in the number of uh families we were supporting in fact, that was the most, I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, sorry. But when I left cabinets.com, one of the, the, the best things that happened to me was uh, one of our oldest employees wrote me a handwritten letter on, on how um, he got married and bought a house and had kids all because of this, this idea I had to sell cabinets online and was able to support that. So that, that's, that's the most rewarding part about all of this. But, um, but anyway, I digress. No, but I mean, I was curious. So you, when you, so the idea of stock trading in, in basically high school, um, it was fun. It, it was fun to watch, watch, you know, go out and pick a company that I loved. I would especially as a teenager, and and I encourage this for for um, you know millennials and Gen Xers who have young children or even older with, with uh, teenagers. They're way cooler than you are. And they know the trends before you do as well. <laughs> yeah. So as a teenager, I would see Abercrombie and Fitch and American Eagle before Wall Street would. 
Yeah. All my friends were going to these stores and I saw it was publicly traded and the stock value wasn't valued as much as the foot traffic was in the store. Right. So, so you're able to, so I always invested in companies that I know that I knew and I still do that today, but now I invest more in technology than teenage fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, from there you, you started a stock market club in high school and then you ended up going to the university of Florida. So you shipped out of Pennsylvania down to the sunny state of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I got, uh, I, I think I got a brochure in the mail with Florida. I saw, um, palm trees, palm trees, and, palm trees does and it every time they all get hooked on the palm trees. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it works. It's crazy. It's That's why so right. university of Tampa has all these New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. If you people, think about right? it, if you think about it, there's no state in the union, so to speak, that can advertise palm trees legitimately, credibly, maybe California at best, but, Nobody, who can Georgia do it? Nobody can do it, right? Only Florida no. can do that legitimately. That's right. That's right. And, and to be honest, Florida at the time was, had great U.S. News and World Report rankings for finance, which oh, yeah. is what I wanted to go into. And the value what do you mean was at the incredible. time. It's only, it's only increased since then. It's only got that's true. more elevated. That's true. And I probably wouldn't be able to get in today no. anymore because it's, it's a lot tougher you to wouldn't. get in. <laughs> your, your haircut alone wouldn't let you in today. <laughs> like, do you sing? Are you? Uh, the they lead kick singer? me off camp. Like, are you the lead singer of Coldplay? I'm sorry, you're you can't go here. That's what I, I actually. Yeah, I got the glasses for. <laughs> I, I I like Moby. I think I'm more. I look more. You like are Moby. Moby. Okay, Moby. That's right. yeah. <laughs> okay. Now you just reset me completely. <laughs> uh, you won a $25,000 business idea competition at UF, right? Most innovative idea? Yeah, yeah. It was a business I did with a friend, uh, friend Jason, who he actually went to my high school as well, went down to the University of Florida, but uh, it's called elotterytickets.com. It was, it was right after the dot-com bust, but uh, it, it was an innovative idea, but it wasn't legal. So, so we, couldn't, we couldn't pursue that idea. <laughs> so when the 25, okay, good. Uh, okay, so here's the thing you did, you got an internship at Raymond James financial right here in Tampa Bay. One of the fortune 500 company, you're on your way. You're I mean, you get in the door there and you're going to be an investment banker slash financial, you know, planner, et cetera. And, um, but you, you, it didn't connect with you. No, in fact, I passed like level one of the CFA exam, which is a very difficult, uh, exam to take. I, give kudos to anyone who, who is, uh, has a CFA charter holder, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, it just wasn't for me. I, you know, I, I was watching CNBC and trading stocks personally, which I still do today, but when you're in that environment, um, it's, it's not creative and it's not entrepreneurial. And that part of me was, was really, really, um, crying out to me to do something different. So wait a minute, you, that's a glossed over statement because here's a young man in his mid twenties with an, with a, with an amazing, really a great job in a really big, great company with a lot of interesting, smart people around. I mean, how do you just unwind yourself from that? Seriously? Like, how do you not like run with that for a while? I don't get it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it was an internship, uh, the summer of my senior year. And so I went back, um, to fall semester and graduate that fall. Um, and I had a great professor of entrepreneurship, uh, uh, Professor Rossi um, at UF. And he was really instrumental in bringing entrepreneurship to the University of Florida because I, prior to that, um, I feel like entrepreneurship was not frowned upon, but it wasn't in academia where 
it, it, you know, it's, it's more, more it, it's almost saying, you, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who quit college to go start businesses. Um, yeah. So there's definitely a conflict there, but, um, but he, he said that that internship was extremely valuable to me because I said it was, it, 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 I didn't feel fulfilled from that. And he's like, no, that was extremely fulfilling because now you know what you want to do with your life. And, and that is not finance, it's, it's entrepreneurship. And I had this creative side to me as well. I was doing some video production projects on campus at University of Florida. So I wanted to incorporate that into my, into my business. I still find it, I still find it fascinating that, um, that you just, knew that you knew that it wasn't wasn't for you and uh did you just like did you just like quit or what how did you leave there no i didn't quit they, they offered me a full-time position following the internship which i declined um so so it was um which i'm extremely grateful and and the guys there are were brilliant and and so i don't want to put down that career or that company oh, or anything it no. just was was not fulfilling. And what was really great for me at that time was the realization of that very early on, because unfortunately there's many, many people who realize that too late in life and they started that internship. They worked in Raymond James, working their way up the corporate ladder for decades before they realized that that's not what they wanted to do. So, okay, so did you just, um, okay, then you, started your own company how right yeah yeah so I, I i moved down to south florida um uh i was roommates with my old roommate from college um he was working for fpl at the time and owned a little townhouse so i was renting a small room in his townhouse and and started it from there and uh networked with uh some people down there and and got some freelance jobs i remember um one of the the first jobs I got, it was this this brash big guy who owned this real estate and, and title company, and he's like, I, I I need a website for my business. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't know how to I don't know how to code. I was just doing virtual tours at that time, and he was like, well, learn. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he likes and, you. He likes you. He's like, I'd rather work with you than some other stranger. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And it was cool because I I got people to trust me. Uh, first of all, with with, with my brand, which was myself at that time, and then I was I was creative, but also had this technical side to myself. So it fit very well with web design. And so I bought Macromedia, which included Flash and Fireworks oh and God. Dreamweaver. <laughs> Macromedia. Oh That's right. <laughs> Takes oh, you back, right? Man. Now, now you know why I got this haircut. Man. <laughs> wow. You are you are Moby, really. You are. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um but, wow. uh, but yeah, and, and taught myself action script and all that good stuff and, and got myself to work and got some jobs. So you're in South Florida doing those kind of jobs and then, uh, okay, so, but you, did, you ever, did you ever make enough to afford your own place? Um, no, I, well, I, I did, when I moved to Tampa, I think that was in uh, a few years later, um, I forget the exact year, but it was a few years after that, um, I was able to afford an apartment which was up, I think, near West Chase area. Um, so it was, I couldn't afford South Tampa yet or any of yeah. this area. But yeah. um, it, it was a, a one-bedroom apartment um, that I was able to afford based on, you know, the, the freelance work that I was doing. And again, like I said earlier, I moved to Tampa for the housing market because I looked on a map. I, I had some friends here that were, that were uh, could have been beneficial. They were in the marketing industry, so they can help me uh, as far as contacts. 
And, um, but the housing market was just booming in Tampa. So that's why I wanted to come here. But that was also um, possibly, I, it, it wasn't a mistake because of what happened in the end, but it yeah. could have been a huge mistake uh, because, you know, just a year or two later is when the, the bubble burst. The bubble burst on the real estate, especially. Ben, I got to ask, at some, at you're a couple years out, like it's, you're, you're sleeping on your friend's uh, couch, spare bedroom. You barely get a scrap, scrape together for one bedroom apartment. You're, you're chasing rainbows into Tampa. Did you, did you, did self-doubt start creeping in at any point that you'd made a mistake with your career that you should have? I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have friends and family that had my back. Um, in fact, his name was Sean. He was my roommate freshman year and it was his place. And he came to me the one time and said, Ben, if you can't make rent for a couple months, don't worry about it. And, and I think to have that support system is, is huge. Uh, because it does take off some of that anxiety that you have. And, and my father was nice, nice, nice enough to pay my health insurance through that period as well. So I, I think to have some support from friends and family was, was vital um, to, to not do a 180 and go back to that. Financial it sounds job. like you, you weren't, but it sounds like you weren't experiencing a lot of self-doubt though. It seems like you, you, you never lost your confidence that you were in the right direction. It sounds like. I've never had that. In fact, Sean was the exact opposite. He was very risk averse. And mm -hmm. so it was funny. We, we were roommates and, and he was working at this utilities company uh, collecting his benefits. Isn't that the way partners work? Isn't that, is that funny? Your roommate was kind of a mirror of what good partnerships look like, right? Where they're absolutely opposite. I don't know if that's the case with cabinets, but often that's a, I had a conversation earlier today with a founder, like having somebody that has the op opposite sensibilities is really oh, yeah. Strong. Absolutely. I mean, that's important. You, you need the, that differentiation. And Chris was, I mean, you could talk to our employees. We're, we're complete opposites besides how we, you know, our interests, our personal interests are totally different. And your values. Um, and, and our values. But, but he, he is, he walks in the room and has presence because he's a bigger guy, a deeper voice. Um, he not. was the, he was the negotiator, right? Um, and, and he was great at business, uh, business dealings and um, picking and choosing decisions and, and which direction to take cabinets.com. Although he didn't have the expertise in, in those areas, besides, of course, uh, kitchen cabinetry. Um, yeah, exactly. Whereas um, I, I, would, I was the more creative um, as far as the, you know, the web development and the design and also just the, um, the core values that I instilled in the company. We had Friday morning team meetings that I organized where the whole company would go around the room and give shout outs to each other. Um, so I, I think we had that. Um, in fact, some of the employees would joke around and said, well, if I went to dad and he said no, I'd come to mom and ask him. <laughs> I guess I was the mom. I was the nice one. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really important to have that, that differentiation among partners. So, so when, uh, so ultimately to finish the story off, you're back in Tampa Bay, you've got your own, you know, your own web design freelance company. You're, 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 you're winning some clients in the bubble that's happening in 05, 06, 07. And then, and you're in real, and you're tied to real estate and then, and then the real estate collapses mm -hmm. in 06, 07. Right. Yep. Talk about, pick it up from there. Like, you start, you start losing your business, right? You start losing clients. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a challenging time. Um, 
yeah, like I said earlier, we, we had to, or I say we, um, I, I had to pivot um, and, and really figure out a different way to survive. But, and that's when cabinets.com essentially fell into my lap. So, so through BNI, there was a referral for, um, for um, th this website that, that it was a, it was a showroom on Dale Mabry called Mod3. Uh, maybe some early Tampa um, natives would, would remember that. It was pretty big. And uh, they were a Chinese import company of kitchen cabinets. And Chris had worked there as the general manager. And he was the, the American face of, of the, the company. And um, so they, uh, through a mutual friend, um, I went to their company and gave them a quote on a website just to do contract work for them. And then within a month, they went out of business. Um, so Chris then was out of, out of a job. Um, he contacted me maybe a couple months later and said, let's do our own thing online. No brick and mortar location. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put up the product on the website. I got some suppliers. I know that I can help us out. And, um, and, and that's where essentially business was born. My guess is, did you respond to like his energy and confidence? Yeah, I, I think that's where we, I talked about our differences where we were very similar is in our entrepreneurial drive, um, our confidence, and also in our, our confidence within each other. Um, I think this is important for partnerships as well, is that I can probably count on one hand in 10 years, how many times we had a severe disagreement that we would really come down and sit down next to each other and come to an agreement on, on pretty much every large deci decision together. Um, and I think that was, that was vital to, to the growth of the company. And also, it, it trickles down to the other employees as well. I, I feel like, uh, you know, with Chris being a strong personality, I feel like that it wouldn't have necessarily worked with just anybody with any disposition. I'm just going to go on a limb here to say that your, your unique disposition and personality was just a good fit for someone like Chris. Yeah. And, and, and vice versa, you know, I, I couldn't have been in the position I was either without Chris and, and the, not just from the beginning and his idea, but, but throughout the life cycle of the business, I mean, I, I think it, it worked. And I think that's a lot of startups. I mean, you hear investors talk about that all the time, that they're not investing in the idea, they're investing in the founders. And, and I think that's, that's extremely important. And what's really cool, and we talked about doubles earlier as well, it's awesome to have become a serial entrepreneur because you have more successes under your belt, the easier it is to get investors and, and to improve. And I feel like any, any business that I do in the future, I would want to have at least Chris as a, as a, uh, to bounce ideas off of or as an investor as well. Right. It's, it's kind of interesting. I love it. Uh, I love that uh, piece of the story about just the balance of partnerships. And, and funny enough, I've, I've got uh, uh, Cheryl Hunter, you know, Cheryl, uh, yeah. Hunter, well, she's coming on uh, next and uh, she's right. going to talk about partnerships. And we just talked today, her and I, about just how delicate they are and, um, and so I think that's just uh, fascinating. Um, I think the next thing I was just going to, um, you know, ask you. So, so you ultimately, you guys kicked it off, and you know, walk me through the first, the first couple months, you know, of this thing. Yeah. So we, um, our meeting spot was Panera Bread on Howard Avenue because they had free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and we kept way, it. Random thought that Panera had like a third-party Wi-Fi provider that was the owner of the company with like this weird name that was like I'll look it up later, but never mind. 
Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Distraction. <laughs> they had a weird, they had a weird uh, Wi-Fi third-party provider. I used to be frustrated. I would go over to Starbucks next door because it was, you know, native. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say Starbucks was, was, but then Starbucks, the tables were always full. There were yeah, more tables yeah. open at Panera. So yeah, p- pick your poison. But, um, and then also we had the, there was a UPS store right next door. So that was our business address for a number of years as well nice. while we worked out from home. And I actually moved up to New Jersey for a couple of years too. And Chris stayed in Tampa. Um, so we were working remotely on the business for a while wow. um, because we had no employees. So. Did you, had you wound down some of your other, had you gone all in at this point? Were you sold on this sold thing? That's a great question. So no, I, I was still working on a few other projects because I had to pay rent and, and still support myself as well. So it wasn't a choice to go all in. Chris had, um, he'd be embarrassed to say, and, and he's, he's, you know how earlier you said, I, 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 you can never get a hold of me. Well, part of that was because like, we're both very private as well. <laughs> but, uh, but Chris had to move in with his parents during this time period, which, uh, you know, we were both single and hitting up uh, the bars and in and, and, uh, Soho as well. So it was a challenging time, you know? Hey, I confessed it all. I confessed it like three or four episodes ago that I sold my, I had to sell my house and move in with my, my parents. You know, I was like 30 years old. Uh, yeah. Reset my, my life and career. And uh, it's, it's the, any entrepreneur that's n- never had to like take that kind of step back. I don't know. I've not met one yet, honestly. So yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I was working on other projects and it wasn't until about 2012 when we were going to hire our first employee. And then Chris and I we were building our company and it was doing very well. And that's when he was like, you know what, let's, let's, um, let, let's bring you on as a managing partner. Cause it was still on that, you know, uh, commission based, uh, profit sharing type. Yeah, exactly. So, so he brought me on as a partner and, and I moved back down to Tampa for the business. And then uh, we hired our first employee. We got an office on, oh man, we probably, we moved four times in five years. We were growing so fast, but uh, we got a small office in South Tampa and, and hired our first employee. Now growing fast, this is something I want to make sure we get to. So this is something I, when I was reading um, kind of what you, some prep here. Uh, you, <laughs> so growing fast again, online, custom high ticket cabinets is not something you would imagine be, to be growing fast on the internet. But the secret sauce for sure was your paid traffic and the AdWord campaigns, right? That you immediately, you engaged. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about in that. Fact, so Chris, Chris bought AdWords for dummies back in tw- 2009. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think he still has it on his desk as a memorabilia. But, um, and I remember going through, um, uh, uh, we were at Starbucks going through all the keywords that we wanted to do. And I was feverishly working on SEO, like every day, making very, very content rich products and and pages and everything. And back then we weren't the first to sell cabinets online. Um, I want to put that out there as well. There were other websites that sold cabinets online, but they were, they weren't trustworthy websites. You go to them and it would be uh, a lot cheaper product. It was very price driven. Some of them were asking for your bank account information. You couldn't even input your credit card and they didn't have a secure server. It's really sketchy. In fact, our first tagline was uh, buying website or buying cabinets from a website you can trust <laughs> because that was really important back then. That was and, a differentiator uh, right there. Absolutely, absolutely. And then also we offered um, more, more custom, you talked about earlier, some more custom cabinets that were higher end pricing. But we found that that niche that was in between this cheap online RTA cabinets that 
only had a limited amount of SKUs mm -hmm. or this very expensive custom cabinetry that you could get locally uh, from your local woodworker. And there wasn't anything online in between. So we were the first ones to, to do that. Right. So customers would have to measure up, the, they would have to do their own measuring, right? And, and that kind of thing, right? And then is that, tell, how, how did it work? Uh, that's been a big mystery all these years. Like how the frig, how do you sell custom yeah. cabinetry online? <laughs> what was yeah. the process for the customer? Then they're going to drop five grand or more or whatever. Like how does this right. work? Online? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, when, when we for, uh, first sold a kitchen on the website, we were just as astonished. Like this guy's an, in fact, that the invoice number was like zero, 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 three. Because the first oh, you almost said it. You, you almost, hold on. You almost said it. Let's hear it. You said it. This guy's an idiot. He just paid five <laughs> a new kitchen online. He just from, from a website. You say that the most. You say that the most affectionate way now as a, as a laugh. But you pulled. You somehow managed to get a, someone that comfortable on a website. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So and it just it just grew from there. Um, anyway, what, what, I interrupted you. How did how did how did this work? Like how did. Uh, what was the user, oh, so I, the customer experience? Yeah, so so the process was unique as well, and I think that was that was a challenge in the beginning because people are used to local hand holding, where someone comes in your kitchen and does the measurements, puts the the samples out on your your countertop to take a look at. So they weren't used to the process, and this goes back to you know our philosophy of being customer centric and customer first as well. Um, that. There's an old Henry Ford quote, although I read that he didn't actually say this, but, um, but it's, uh, you know, if you ask the customer what they would want, they want faster horses, right? So, so at the time, people just didn't know about buying cabinets online. So we had to really introduce this to them and show them that this is the better way to do it. And you could save a lot of money while getting more, more options and, and better cabinetry overall. But yeah, so customers would measure their own kitchen. We provided uh, pretty basic software to help them do floor plan layouts of their kitchen. They would submit that to our designers. And that's most of our staff at canvas.com in Tampa here is kitchen designers. Um, and, and they would render amazing 3D kitchens and floor plan layouts for the customers and provide an itemized quote. And, and then essentially they would, the customer can add that to their cart and then check out on our website. But a lot of customers as well never interact with a kitchen designer. They go onto our e-commerce website, add the products to their car, and then check out on their own. So were you, were you personally, I think I know the answer to this, but were you intimately involved in, in architecting that flow, both technically and, you, and user experience? Like to me, like, it seems like the whole, your company, your business was going to live and die off of that user experience. And, and right. And were you, was that like your yeah. domain? Uh, or did you, did you and Chris, um, work equally on that part or was that more your yeah. area? I mean, he, so he, he, he knew the, the ins and outs of the industry and a lot of this was existing, but not in a 20, uh, 2000 millennium way. You know, it, it's just a, such an archaic industry and, and for new entrepreneurs as well, those are the best to disrupt, especially when you come in, like I didn't know anything about cabinetry when I came into this business and it's great being dumb in an industry because you ask the question why all the time and, and what, why, why are we doing it this way? Which Chris had all the expert answers on that, which was great because those things that worked in the past, let's continue doing those. But if you ask the why and, and we're not sure, you know, maybe we can do it this way. It presents a whole, whole new set that could be revolutionary or way better for the customer experience. 
What was the average ticket? Uh, what was the average sale uh, price on? Yeah, around five to seven thousand dollars. But we've done ones upwards as you know sixty, eighty thousand dollars for. Oh, what? Ticket. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> And, and, you know, the, the majority are, are um, you know, your basic kitchens and stuff, but I'm just blown away by DIY homeowners because early on, I would personally drive around the state of Florida taking photographs of the kitchens to put them on the website because we didn't have a showroom. So if someone ordered a kitchen and put it on their, in their house, I would call them up personally and be like, can I please come over and take photos? Because no one's going to buy kitchens from our website if they don't see kitchens, you know? <laughs> So, so I, I spent countless hours on the road with my camera going around taking photos of these kitchens and I was just blown away by the DIY work of, of these homeowners. It was like they were buying, they were buying, a lot of your early customers were buying blind. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, they, they, they would go to Home Depot and Lowe's and these big box stores and get educated. And that was the differentiator too when we bought, so originally we were kitchenresourcedirect.com because that domain name was only eight bucks on Yahoo domains. And then we purchased cabinets.com a lot later. Um, and, and, um, and that helped perpetuate our growth further. Right. But when I we made that, how when, when we made, how much did you pay for cabinets.com? So we paid a lot of money to keep it a secret how much we paid <laughs> because <laughs> so, so CDU was our broker and they're like, well, you know, it's this, I don't even remember the percentage, but you could pay a percentage more for us not to put a press release on how much money we made from this domain. <laughs> and we didn't want our competitors to know what was going on at the time because we had a lot of work to do with the rebranding before we go with it. So we yeah. paid a lot of money to keep it secret. Hey. But, uh, but it, it, it was, put it this way, it was like buying a home and the paperwork was probably a lot more than a mortgage as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But it was yeah. a game changer, probably not immediately, but but over the next few years, it became a game changer in probably your revenue and branding and everything. Yeah, and so so what I was going to get at is that um, what changed the most was that when we were kitchenresourcedirect.com, we were like the second, third, or fourth place that they had visited before uh, when they were on their journey of buying cabinets. Whereas at cabinets.com, now we're getting people who come into the site that first and, 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 and they want to learn about cabinets and learn about the process and they need more handholding. In fact, there were some kitchen designers that didn't like it that we switched to cabinets.com early on because the customers all of a sudden were, were less educated when they came to our, our website within right. the industry, but yeah. it helped with our BHAG. So right when you walk in the door, you have you, you were at our office before, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so right when you walk in the door behind the receptionist desk, it has our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal that says four to five random people on the street will recommend cabinets.com for cabinets. So whenever an employee walks in the door in the morning, they're looking at that end goal and everyone is looking towards the same goal. So when I changed that, I've had to peel off the sticker for Kitchen Resource Direct. And I put cabinets.com up there. It just made that BHAG seem a little bit more feasible. I love it, man. I'm glad you put, I'm glad you managed to work BHAG into this uh, interview. Um, Hey, Ben, I think we're coming up towards the end. And the, the one thing that you, you kind of stole the thunder because the one thing, uh, you know, was, I was going to ask you about uh, is this idea of, um, uh, of just being, you know, this idea, the power of being 
uh, not knowledgeable in an industry, right? The idea that, you know, it allows you to ask the bigger questions, right? You talked about being dumb. I you know, I've got some sales training in my background from the, the Sandler sales system, and they all talked about dummy, uh, dummy up. Like, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the, the people think that you have to know everything, but sometimes not being knowledgeable about something actually opens up new doors. So where would you like to end this interview? Like, would you want to talk about that? Or is there anything else that, that comes to mind that you'd like to um, you'd like to touch on before we, we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, that's a really good point. But maybe it's so relevant now what's going on with coronavirus and, and the mm -hmm. economy right now. And there's a lot of uncertainty going on. And, um, you know, I don't want to get into politics too much, but there's a lot of issues with with the economy and, and the debt that we're racking up. So who, who knows when? this will get better. But um, instead of like scrambling to improve your resume or, 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 um, you know, waiting for your stimulus to check, check to come, like now is the time to take that risk. And, and I'm excited to do that for myself. I'm so excited. I, I've had friends and family call me as well with ideas and, and I'm pursuing, I'm, I'm, I'm really encouraging them to pursue their, their dreams as well. Um, because now is the time when, when you should be, uh, really looking towards that next step. I feel you. I feel you, man. That's why, you know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's, you know, this podcast was the result of this uh, pandemic situation. I had no plan to do this. And it's a long story yeah. about how this came to be. And now I'm in the middle of a podcast that I got to do every week. I don't know how I, how this came to be, but, um, but it was, a, it was because I was looking for um, opportunity to engage and to, and to take uh, the situation and make the most of it. Right. And here I am at home and, uh, and this is like the new normal. Like, I don't know if I'll ever go to another meeting again. I don't even think if I want to do a podcast, why would I even want to be in a room with that person? I don't know. <laughs> you know it's like, yeah. It's, it, it's going to change consumer behavior for yeah. forever possibly. Yeah. In fact, with cabins.com after the housing bubble, one of the, one of the problems that we had with cabins.com is that after the bubble, a lot of these kitchen installers didn't go back to that industry. They went and found white collar jobs. And right. so a lot of the, the issues that our customers had over the years was there wasn't enough kitchen installers that they want to buy our product, but they couldn't find anyone to put it in. So it would be interesting to see now in this next, next decade, like you said, how this, what changes for good and how you can kind of capitalize that with that, with your ideas. Yeah. And I think the other thing you said is really important. Like, there, this is a, I mean, I don't think, I think it's pretty safe to say now about six weeks ago when I was saying this, it was a little uh, less certain, but I think it's, I think everyone can now officially agree that this is a watershed moment and that this will, this will be one of those things that we look back and know that this is when things change dramatically for our economy and for our world around us. Some things will come back to the same, but a lot of things won't. And frankly, um, this is an entrepreneurial um, uh, opportunity. This is a big entrepreneurial opportunity for folks. And, uh, and frankly, too, working from home, even if you don't have, you know, change the world ambitions or home run ambitions or even doubles or triples, this, the idea that uh, you can now start that freelancer business or, or whatever home, home business or whatever it is, all of a sudden now Zoom calls are normal, right? All yeah. of a sudden being at doing work from home is normal, like super normal, in fact, commended. So it's not a, now all of a sudden, like making money from your home is not 
strange. It's actually like acceptable, instantly acceptable, yeah. right? Yep, yep. And, um, and, and you don't have the distractions too. Um, in fact, we've completely eradicated FOMO during coronavirus. FOMO is fear of missing out because you don't have all those social distractions where you, now you can sit in front of your computer and crank out all those ideas. That's right. That's right, man, man. So Ben, this has been awesome. I'm, this is better than, I mean, I, I knew it was going to be awesome, but this was really good. And, uh, I feel like, I feel like this might, I feel like I hosted a, a, a legitimate proper podcast here, man. <laughs> this was like a lot of my other podcasts. I mean, I'm, you know, been, been experimenting and, uh, have, but this one, like, um, this has been really, really cool. And especially too, because you and I have at the Tampa Bay wave. So that's how we met. So the Tampa Bay wave is a startup tech accelerator in Tampa Bay. It's 12 years old. It was the first and biggest. It's one of the biggest in the, in the United States. And, and, and the reason why this is kind of cool for me right now is because, um, I made my gravy, so to speak with tech founder entrepreneurs and a lot of them with the Tampa Bay wave. And I've yet to really get them on my interview schedule for this. Right. So like, it's kind of cool because you are my people like talking about Magento and, what was the other thing you brought up? Uh, the uh, the suite of products that you mentioned. Earlier. Oh, uh, Macromedia. <laughs> Macromedia. It's like, <laughs> like, it's like I've been trying to. I've been kicking this podcast off, trying to like steer clear of all my tech, my tech buddies, right? But yeah. it, it's kind of neat to uh, do this because it's it's such a warm blanket for me to talk to you. And now you're making me all of a sudden as you've talked, the more people I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to get that person on, and that person on, and that person on. Um, so this has been really, uh, really cool for me, but also what's neat about tech is that, uh, it's, it's the, it's the, um, it's the world greatest, game, uh, field leveler, right? Like it's a field leveler, like mm -hmm. you don't need a fancy education to, to be a tech entrepreneur, right? Uh, and you don't need a lot of equipment, right? You need a good, you need a good, uh, PC or laptop or MacBook or whatever, and some, uh, motivation and you can go far and that's still true. And it, I would argue that it's more true now, especially in the conditions we just talked about, right? Than ever before. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So this is, this is good. And uh, so this has been great. Thank you so much. Um, until next time. And I, maybe I can get uh, Chris on one day. I'd, Chris is, you know, the mystery man of the universe. So yeah, he's, if you think I'm the ghost, he is even more <laughs> private than I am. So, so good, good luck with that. Unless you're going to host it from, from uh, going fishing or boating or something. <laughs> he's absolutely, he's the, you, you, yeah, the ghost, uh, the real ghost behind the ghost. Um, uh, I apologize, but I'm, that's going to be my new nickname for you. you, you you're just going to, that's going to stick. My Go friend. with it. That Go is going to stick. I can't wait to see you in the physical world again. You and I are members of uh, a really cool co-working space in Tampa Bay, Hyde Park called the Hyde um, House. And, um, and so now that uh, things are getting to reopen slowly but surely, I look forward to bumping into you there and, uh, and, and collaborating. So okay. Sounds good, buddy. Yeah, this was fun. I really appreciate it. Okay, have a good night and say hi to that beautiful family of yours. All right, right, will do. Same to you. Thank you. Take care. Good night.